Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Macro Compass. This is an old style, free macro piece for everybody. So enjoy it and happy Sunday. Recession or soft landing? This is the most important question to answer in 2023. And the soft landing crew is increasingly taking over. Also, no, the bond market's base case is not a recession. It's immaculate disinflation, and we're going to show why. And most importantly, getting this call right is crucial for your portfolio performance in 2023. And that's why in this article, we will look at different corners of the bond and the equity markets to assess what are the market implied probabilities of a recession or a soft landing, and then debate how do we approach macro investing in such a binary macro environment. The bond market is pricing in immaculate disinflation and not a recession. The bond market is pricing 200 basis point of cuts, Alf. That means the bond market is saying a recession is a sure thing. I heard this probably 20 times already. The answer is not really. The bond market base case is instead immaculate disinflation. Most of the confusion stems from an overly simplistic approach. In the average recession, as the chart in the article shows, over the last 30 years, the Fed cut by 350 basis points over an 18-month period. The bond market today is pricing 200 basis points worth of cuts between June 2023 and December 2024. This is an 18-month period. 200 basis point worth of cuts are priced. That means the bond market's base case must be a recession because 60% of the total cuts in an average recession are already priced in. Now, this is a simplistic analysis, which is misleading because it ignores the following. A, what's the ultimate lending point for Fed funds and real yields? B, what's the credit market saying? C, what about the tails? Let's start with a clear chart if you are reading the article, but I'm, I'm going to explain it to you verbally. If you look at the Fed funds uh, market implied path over time, Fed funds are priced to peak at 5% in summer, and then 200 basis point of cuts are expected in the following 18 months. Yet, Fed funds are never priced to be below reasonable estimates of neutral rate, say 2.5%, throughout the next two to five years. So what you're looking at is that this will be the first time ever that the US is in a recession and the Fed doesn't cut rates below neutral. It doesn't make any sense at all. And indeed, because the bond market's base case is not a recession, it's instead immaculate disinflation. We can prove that that is the case looking at the expected future path for real interest rates. Those compare expectation for Fed funds, as we have done right before, and expectations for inflation. As you can see in the chart in the article, in any recessionary or growth slowdown episode of the last 15 years, real Fed funds two years ahead were priced to be negative by minus 100, minus 200 basis points. And that makes sense. That's the bond market asking the Fed to be very accommodative over the next two years, given poor growth and recession. This time, though, instead, market implied U.S. real yields in 2025, so well in a recession, according to what people are telling me, are instead priced to be 
positive by plus 40 basis points and not negative 100 or 200 as in the last 15 years of recessionary episodes. And again, that doesn't square with the bond market is pricing in a recession mantra. Instead, that's what the bond market is pricing. Inflation slowing to 2.5% by the end of this summer. The Fed cutting rates, but only to neutral and never below. And that's not a recessionary pricing. That's an immaculate disinflation pricing. The credit market wholeheartedly agrees that a recession is not the base case. So reinforcing with the second point, if you look at U.S. high-yield credit spreads, they're trading barely above 400 basis points, which is below the 20-year average and far away from the median recessionary episode where these credit spreads go trade at 1,000 basis points. Also, if you look deep into the default cycle, it's priced to be very mild, and downside protection in the broad credit market is definitely not as expensive as it would be if a recession was the base case. Finally, to make the point about immaculate disinflation, let's have a look at the tails. A good old saying says that insurance is very expensive when the house is already on fire. So if people think a recession is a done deal, let's look at what tail risks are markets trying to insure against by December 2024. So let's use a two-year horizon and option implied probabilities and as you can see in the article, there's a very clear chart that shows that the insurance on Fed keeping rates higher for longer is more expensive than the insurance on the Fed cutting rates in a magnitude consistent with a recession. So if you sum all up, the bond market's base case is not a recession, but it's instead immaculate disinflation. You have a very relaxed credit market you have inflation priced to rapidly decline to 2%. You have the Fed cutting rates back to neutral, but not below neutral. You have real interest rates priced over the next two to three years in positive territory. And you don't have any aggressive insurance bid for recessionary cuts. Actually, the tail risk, which is insured the most against, is higher for longer. That says that the base case 45, 50% probability is immaculate disinflation. The recession by the bond market as a whole is only priced at 20, 25% probability. And actually, a growth regime or a higher for longer is priced at roughly 30% probability as we speak. What about the equity market? The equity market's base case has rapidly shifted towards soft lending. And there are three main angles to cover here. Earnings the internals of the stock markets, and the tails again. Let's start first for, from the more recessionary vibes in the equity market, because analysts are realizing that their 2023 earnings per share estimates might have been too optimistic. The pace and the breadth of negative revisions is in line with other recessionary episodes already. Also, if you look at highly cyclical sectors like semiconductors, they are experiencing earnings per share downgrades in the 30% area, which is almost consistent with a recession. So analysts are realizing that their earnings expectations were too high. Yet, even after the downgrades, 2023 earnings per share consensus for the S&P 500 is at $225 roughly. That implies a 4% earnings growth this year. While, as you can see in the table I put in the article, in a recessionary episode, the average earnings per share decline is minus 
30%. Now, the Chinese reopening is obviously playing a role in boosting cyclical growth and the expectation of these around the world. Because countries with very tight Chinese trade relationships with a high beta to China, like Germany or Australia, have outperformed in a risk-adjusted way. You can see that in the volatility-adjusted market dashboard screenshots that I put in the article, this is one of the interactive tools that clients can use under the Macro Compass subscription. U.S. sectors like semiconductors and high beta have also, in a risk-adjusted way, been the market's darling, while defensive sectors like staples and utilities are actually lagging. So the soft landing vibes are getting stronger, helped by the Chinese reopening. What about tails? Again, if markets were truly worried about an earnings recession, and on top of it, maybe a stubbornly higher for longer Fed, you would expect some bid for deep out-of-the-money put options. But given instead the absence of jump risks in 2022, the fact that the Fed put muscle memory is really strong, and the fact that the earnings expectations are weak, but not in recessionary territory yet. If you add all of that up, that's really shown in the fact that downside protection in the S&P 500 is at the cheapest comparative levels over the last two years. The implied volatility in a 20% out-of-the-money S&P put with a three-month expiry, so a tail event, a tail risk protection, the implied volatility, the cost of that option, is in the lowest 15% percentile on a two-year history. And even if you use a longer history, you're still in the lowest 40% percentile. So the stock market's base case is that a broad, harsh recession will be avoided. The growth downturn might be bottoming, also thanks to China, and that we are past peak Fed tightness. Downside earnings revisions are happening, but earnings per share are expected to still grow, which is not consistent with the recession as a base case. A cyclical growth boost is getting increasingly priced in. Cyclical sectors and countries are outperforming defensives. Finally, the option market shows that investors have little to no appetite for buying heavy downside protection. You put all of this together and you realize that the soft landing is definitely the base case market regime with a 60% probability roughly that the recession is only a 15-20% probability in the equity market and actually a higher growth regime is also a 15-20% probability. So concluding, neither the bond nor the equity markets are pricing in a recession as a very high probability scenario. Actually, the base case instead is an immaculate disinflationary episode that leads to a period of below-trend growth, but not to a harsh recession. Now, that's what's priced in today. But how do investors navigate this rather binary macro outlook where there is a gravitational pull force, that's the nominal growth slowdown, opposed by a cyclical push force, which is the Chinese reopening boosting growth expectations? Now, there are three best practices here. The first is don't get stuck in one of the two camps, especially in a narrative-driven camp. Rely instead on data-driven macro processes and portfolio construction to try and get the best out of this binary outcome. The second is use episodes of extreme market conviction. For instance, the conviction of the prevalence of either one dynamic or the other dynamic and try to take advantage of macro opportunities where markets are extremely leaning one way or the other. Third, look for allocations 
towards investments that can deliver a positive expected return in both outcomes or for exposures to idiosyncratic asset classes. In that case, the return profile of these asset classes is not solely dependent on calling this binary macro outcome right. Now, an important reminder, guys, from January this year, getting access to the premium, the Macro Compass content requires a paid subscription. If I haven't convinced you to join with these piece, what else will do that? Maybe adding that you'll find not only deep and unique macro insights like this one, but also actionable ETF portfolios, tactical trade ideas, interactive tools, courses, and much more. So why don't you go and check out which subscription tier suits you the most? You can use the link at the end of the article or type in themacrocompass.com slash subscribe. For more information, you can always check the website, themacrocompass.com, and I'll talk to you guys next week.